welcome to the North County Beat. I'm your host, Kelly Kyle. Today's show is kicking off a two-part series on a major issue here in San Diego County. We're diving deep into the area's human trafficking problem and what that actually looks like in our region. Before we jump in, a quick word from a sponsor of the North County Beat. If you're looking for a safe place to take your family for some holiday cheer, check out the San Diego Botanic Garden Holiday Botanic Wonderland. Botanic Wonderland is now open most evenings through December 20th at the San Diego Botanic Garden in Encinitas. This family-friendly event includes festive displays of lighted animals, laser lighting, and fire pits, and their plant collection illuminated in a way you have not experienced before. Live music is offered nightly with musicians roaming throughout the garden. For tickets, visit sdbgarden.org. Now I want to start today with a story. Please note that today's episode contains references of sexual and physical abuse that may be triggering for some listeners. Marjorie Saylor was just 15 years old when she ran away from home. She knew she needed to make some money, but when she started looking for work, people tried to take advantage of her situation. I ended up being labor trafficked through a couple different businesses. Um, I was underage. I didn't have my ID. Um, I was getting money under the table or just making tips. When she turned 21, Sailor was able to get a job for herself, and she started working as a waitress at a local strip club. Soon, she became a dancer. And at first, Sailor says she felt empowered. This is great. I'm finally the one who can say who, what, when, and where, and I'm saying how much, and... Um, I felt like I had some control over everything that had been so stolen from me so young. As the weeks went by, Sailor found the allure of her new gig starting to fade. She really wasn't making that much. Everyone on staff was getting a share of her tips, and whatever money Sailor had left over was going to the bar. You have to give away so much money to the DJ, the manager, the bartenders, the security, you tip everybody. And so at the end of the night, I'm spending a lot of my money on alcohol just so I can get up there. And at the end of the night, I'm pretty much walking away with nothing. Sailor was emotionally exhausted. At one point, she even thought about suicide. All of this brought her to a really dark place. I'm doing this every day, just trying to make rent money. And you become desperate desperate to a point to where you'll let yourself be taken advantage of. It was here that Sailor was introduced to sex trafficking and began having sex with buyers for the financial gain of others. Security workers at the strip club would set up after-hours meetings between Sailor and the regulars who came to see her, and initially she thought that security was trying to help her by getting her meetings with clients. But they were actually handpicking certain clients that they knew that were coming to see me and telling them not to tip me, not to get lap dances. We'll work out an arrangement where you can meet up with her after. And so they were getting paid to set up the arrangement. Sailor didn't feel comfortable reaching out to anyone that she knew about her situation. She also didn't want to tell her family since she left all those years ago to make it on her own. She felt helpless and even started to think that she deserved this. I had been experienced so much abuse all my life, early childhood sexual abuse, growing up in a home of domestic violence. You know, you associate sex equals love or abuse equals love, and you start seeing things through a different lens, and you start to believe that you're only good for one thing. You're only good to, enough to be abused. You're only good enough to have sex with. 
As the situation chipped away at her mental health, Sailor's physical safety was also at risk. A near-death experience opened her eyes to the true danger that she faced. I only left that life because a sex buyer tried to kill me. And I realized if I continue doing this, I'm going to die in it. Sailor's experiences aren't isolated either. In San Diego County, the illicit sex economy is valued at $810 million, according to a massive 2016 study on sex trafficking from the University of San Diego and Point Loma Nazarene University. And those same researchers expect that to be an undervaluation, estimating the actual total to be even higher. San Diego District Attorney Summer Steffen is part of the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force. This is a cooperative effort between state and local law enforcement and non-government organizations to resolve the trafficking issue in the area. Stefan says human trafficking, which includes sex trafficking, is among the top largest criminal industries in the area. Human trafficking is the second largest criminal industry in San Diego County. Uh, the number one criminal industry is selling of drugs. The third um, is selling of you know, illegal firearms. Human trafficking comprises multiple categories, as we mentioned. The big two are labor and sex trafficking. Sex trafficking is when someone participates in commercial sex acts by way of force, fraud, or coercion. And it often affects minors as well. The most common form is selling a human being for prostitution, child pornography. That is also a form of uh, sexual exploitation, um, cyber sexual trafficking. Labor trafficking is when someone is forced to work for little to no pay through those same means of force, fraud, or coercion. Marjorie Saylor experienced this as a teen, making very little money as she was passed around from job to job. Stefan explains that immigrants are also commonly affected by this type of trafficking. So that could take on the form that you, you come to this country and you're offered uh, uh, under an H2H1 visa a job where you work as a nurse um, in a nursing home. But what it turns out to be is that you're working seven days a week and you're not being paid and you're being uh, exploited that, that, that your, H, your visa is going to be pulled, you're going to be reported to immigration if um, you don't continue to work for free. Now, when it comes to sex trafficking, we have to clear up a few common misconceptions. For instance, because San Diego County is so close to the Mexican border, many people assume that sex trafficking is more prominent because victims are being brought in and taken over to Mexico. While proximity to the border has an effect on labor trafficking, Stefan says it plays a much smaller role in sex trafficking. The border has no influence because... uh 80% of our victims are U.S.-born, are, are just homegrown. Another major misconception has to do with the amount of violence tied to sex trafficking. This one comes mostly from entertainment media. So think about the movie Taken. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. If you've seen it, you know it's an intense film. Liam Neeson plays an ex-CIA operative hunting down the sex traffickers who abducted his teenage daughter while she was on vacation in Europe. Spoiler alert, he eventually finds the guys and gets his daughter free. You don't remember me. We spoke on the phone two days ago. 
I told you I would find you. And while abductions like this can happen, getting violently kidnapped is not as common as this movie might lead us to believe. The 2016 report on sex trafficking found that in San Diego, only 30% of victims said force was used to bring them into trafficking. More commonly, traffickers will use psychological coercion to bring people in, identifying an unfulfilled emotional or physical need and promising to meet it. Traffickers are frequently looking for whatever that specific vulnerability is that they can target. They're being very calculated in the way that they do it. Kay Thomas is the clinical training manager for North County Lifeline. This is a non-government organization, or NGO, that partners with the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force. They provide case management services for survivors, and they're on call to assist the task force with emergency response so that they can address victims' immediate and longer-term needs. The needs in the crisis in that moment, the big fire, is really kind of based on a combination of the clinical expert stepping in and assessing for safety and the actual needs and functioning, as well as what that client is identifying. Now, Thomas has been on the front lines of case management for years now, and they've seen the reality for many people who are in the life. So going back to entertainment media, as an alternative to the movie Taken, which focuses on that violent side of trafficking, Thomas says the space might actually look more like a different hit film. Hello. Do you remember me? No, I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me? Oh. Pretty Woman. You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go shopping now. That's the one where Julia Roberts plays Vivian Ward, a woman who gets into prostitution after moving to L.A., and then meets the wealthy Edward Lewis, who hires her as his date for the week. What's your name? What do you want it to be? Vivian. My name is Vivian. Vivian. Throughout the film, we learn about Vivian's past, and how she didn't choose this life, but saw it as her only option at the time. So one day I did it. I cried the whole time. But then I got some regulars, and... You know, it's not like anybody plans this. It's not your childhood dream. In Vivian's conversations with her roommate, we learn that she refuses to work with a pimp, a nod to the sex trafficking issue. Maybe we should get a pimp, you know. Carlos really digs you. And then he'll run our lives and take our money. No, you're right. We say who, we say when, we say how much. At the end of the movie, Vivian leaves the life, and she and the wealthy Edward live happily ever after. So what happened after he climbed up the tower and rescued her? She rescues him right back. Now this type of fairy tale ending is not the case for people who are sex trafficked. And the life is anything but glamorous. And this film really does skirt around the trafficking issue. Still, Kay Thomas says that the life that Vivian left behind might be closer to the reality that many victims face. We have to move away from this idea of trafficking looking like what we see on the movie Taken and recognizing that trafficking actually look, might look more like Pretty Woman, where it might look like someone who's engaging in this of their own free will, but really maybe they're experiencing exploitation. This isn't to say that there aren't people choosing to engage with prostitution at will as just another job. They are out there. However, law enforcement and trafficking survivor advocates See, this is kind of a slippery slope when you think about why people got into this life in the first place. Marjorie Saylor explained it like this. 
someone like myself who who believed that they were doing this on their own and which was choosing to do this type of work um they're, they're basically doing it out of a need to survive so you're trafficking yourself out of a need to survive but then you get exploited by exploiters and you end up being trafficked by other people now there's another crazy fact about sex trafficking that you need to know victims are young the average age of a sex trafficking victim is 16 years old and the market for that age group and younger has increased during the pandemic, according to District Attorney Stefan. I mean, we even um, intercepted that predators were talking about what a great opportunity this was. When kids are online, they're in chat rooms, they're in game rooms, trying to fill the time, the void, not in school, not in their sports programs. In May of 2019, the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force received about 150 complaints. In May of 2020, they received nearly 700 reports, quadrupling last year's number. The same trend was reflected across the U.S. in data from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Stefan says this exploitation of minors can also encompass child sex trafficking. If you're going to have a rise in Internet crimes against children, whether for commercial or for personal predatory behavior, then since most of the recruiting and grooming for sex trafficking happens online, that a portion of that is going to relate to an increase in sex trafficking. To many people, the fact that kids are getting introduced to sex trafficking at such a young age is absolutely mind-blowing. Why would any kid be drawn to that lifestyle? Well, there are a few reasons, explains Kay Thomas of North County Lifeline. But like, if you just think back to yourself at high school and middle school, like that is the peak time we experience those feelings of rejection and marginalization as we're trying to kind of form our identity and figure out who we are in the world and outside of it at the same time. As these kids grapple with feelings of marginalization and rejection, they become targets for traffickers who use those vulnerabilities to get close with the kids and ultimately exploit them. Thomas says teens and tweens, just like adults, may not see what's happening to them as a bad thing, especially when they are getting something that they want in return. You know, my parents won't buy me the brand new iPhone that I want, but if I go work tonight for this person for the next, you know, 24 hours, he's going to get my hair done, he's going to get my nails done, and he's going to get me that phone that I've always wanted, right? And so that instant gratification is also another thing that keeps minors very vulnerable to the experience of trafficking those commercial goods that, that minors often seek to obtain. For queer and trans youth, the feelings of marginalization can be even more intense, which may lead to situations that increase their exposure to trafficking. We know that our LGBTQ youth are some of the highest risk in particular because they are more often homeless, they have more often experienced abuse in their home of origins, they may be engaging in substance use, they may need to engage in survival sex to meet a basic need like food, shelter, or clothing. Another thing you need to realize about human trafficking as a whole is that it isn't happening in a silo. This means that it isn't uncommon for victims of labor trafficking to have also experienced sex trafficking and vice versa. This is a reality for many of the clients that Thomas works with at North County Lifeline. And if you think about it from the space of like the vulnerabilities, right, it's the, still the same vulnerabilities that are occurring and they're not necessarily being addressed. In fact, you know, like in Marjorie's case, those vulnerabilities were just being reinforced in different ways over and over again, which made her that much more susceptible to experiencing trafficking. 
Thomas is talking about trafficking survivor Marjorie Saylor, who we heard from earlier. She was labor trafficked as a teen, sex trafficked as a young adult, and when she finally got out of sex trafficking after that buyer almost killed her, she became a victim of labor trafficking once again. By the time I met my daughter's father, I was just, I was so completely broken. Her daughter's father was also her trafficker and her last abuser. Emotional bankruptcy had left Sailor feeling even more vulnerable. Her abuser had her working 18-hour days without breaks. He beat her and forced her to use drugs while she was pregnant. So when her daughter was born healthy, Sailor was hopeful. When I looked in her eyes for the first time, I realized that my prayers had been answered, that I saw hope. I fell in love with her, and I promised her that day that I would never let anyone hurt her. Eleven months later, as her abuser was beating Sailor with their toddler in the room screaming, Sailor looked to her little one and knew they had to get out. Three days later, I got her in the car and we backed up and he's running out the house after after us. And and I'm just, I'm full of fear. I'm speeding off and as I'm driving down the highway, I have no idea where I'm going. Sailor eventually made it to a Walmart parking lot where she found a police officer. In what she describes as one of her first positive experiences with law enforcement, she explained her situation to the cop, who then connected her with the services that she and her daughter needed to move forward. And they were so kind, and and then Child Protective Services came out the next day, and they were amazing. And I filed a restraining order and never looked back. Today, Marjorie Saylor and her eight-year-old daughter live freely and safely. Saylor went to college and got a degree in psychology, She's made survivor advocacy her full-time job. In 2017, Saylor founded The Well Path to support and mentor victims of trafficking and to keep them from going back into the life. She shares her own story to help other survivors realize their power. They're not sure if they can do this. They're not sure if they can be normal or they can live a normal life coming out of so much trauma. And once I tell them that I was in their shoes at one point, they get hope. And they, they look at me and they think, if you, if you did it, I can do it too. Between organizations like the Wellpath and North County Lifeline, survivors of trafficking are given a space to go and seek help if they want it. But sometimes, as we learned, coming forward can be hard. That's why these NGOs and nonprofits are working with law enforcement and local government to create a system where victims feel comfortable reporting their experiences. On that note, if you or someone you know could be experiencing sex trafficking or exploitation, you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888 or text the words BE FREE or 233733. That's all I've got for you on part one of this series on human trafficking in San Diego. In part two, we're going to look at what's being done by law enforcement to address San Diego's trafficking issue and to prevent it from happening in the future. We'll also look at why a one-size-fits-all solution is harder to come by than most people think. All of that is dropping on Friday, December 18th, wherever you listen to the North County Beat, so make sure you check that out. Before we head out, a reminder that the San Diego Botanic Garden is a proud sponsor of the North County Beat. If you're looking for that safe place to go and take your family for some holiday cheer, you can check out the San Diego Botanic Garden Holiday Botanic Wonderland, open most evenings through December 20th at the San Diego Botanic Garden in Encinitas. This family-friendly event includes festive displays of lighted animals, 
laser lighting and fire pits, and their plant collection is illuminated in a way that you have not experienced before. Live music is offered nightly, with musicians roaming throughout the garden. Get your tickets at sdbgarden.org. We do have a few people to thank today. Our podcast manager, Ryan Wolt, Coast News Editor-in-Chief, Jordan Ingram, whose initial reporting on this subject inspired this human trafficking series. Coast News Associate Publisher is Chris Kidd, and our publisher is Jim Kidd. Thank you so much for listening to the North County Beat. I'm your host, Kelly Kyle. Join us next time for part two on human trafficking in San Diego County. I hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you soon.